You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. I grew up enjoying sports, um, but there just wasn't a lot of teams in Louisiana to, to celebrate and enjoy uh, when I was younger. But I've always been uh, faithful to my sports teams. Louisiana, I've been a New Orleans Saints fan um, because that was the only thing that was around. Uh, even at that time, I think Tennessee, uh, had they were the Oilers, and uh, Houston didn't really have a team at the time and before they became the Texans. And, uh, and the college I went to uh, was McNeese State University, and they were a division below all the cool colleges. Um, and so, you know, I think they went to the national championship once. And we drove to Tennessee, me and dad and some people. And um, when I was like in high school, it was freezing. We got blown out. And like five of their people, their fans, the other team, tore down uh, the goalpost. I have no idea how they did it. It was literally like two people. And they carried it out the stadium. And uh, my little skinny Louisiana bottom was freezing in the stands because I didn't listen to my dad when he told me to bring a coat because I was too cool. I really was at that game. So I became an LSU fan. Uh, when I was in high school, my dad uh, took me to my first LSU, I mean, my first Houston Astros game in Houston, the closest baseball team that we had. And I've grown up since middle school, high school, loving these three teams and cheering these three teams on. And luckily, in my life, I've had the opportunity to see all three teams win a championship. 2010, New Orleans Saints beat the Indianapolis Colts in the Super Bowl. Tracy Porter picks off Peyton Manning, runs it back 74 yards for a touchdown to seal the game as I was at home in Louisiana crying on my floor, rejoicing that the New Orleans Aints have become the Saints. We won our championship. 2004, LSU dismantled Oklahoma, beat them like 21-14 in the national championship. A guy that I went to high school with, he was two years, two, three years older than me, uh, was the MVP, Justin Vincent. He was the MVP of the Sugar Bowl. He was the MVP of the SEC championship that year as he was a running back. And I got to see somebody in my school that I saw uh, walking around uh, win that. 2007, we beat Ohio State again. Uh, whether we had Saban's people or not, I don't care. Championship's a championship. We won that. 2017, the Houston Astros beat the Dodgers. Sorry, Jesse. Sorry for your loss, buddy. Um, and the Astros won. And so throughout my life, I've seen my teams become champions. And over the last couple of years, LSU has not gotten over the Alabama hump. Other Tigers, I guess, have. Congratulations to y'all. Um, but we can't get over that Alabama hump. All right, get back on topic. Um, New Orleans Saints, you know, uh, we should have gone to the Super Bowl, maybe. I don't know. Um, helmet to helmet hit, not flagged, whatever. It's not a big deal. I'm over it. But I can always go back to remember when I was a champion. I can always go back to remember to the championship teams, no matter the highs or lows of the seasons, I can go back and think in my life, there are people who have teams who have not seen their teams win championships. My father-in-law is a Cleveland Browns fan, and uh, he hasn't seen anything good. But this is the year. This is the year. It's coming. Something's about to happen. Something's about to change. But there are people who have been alive their whole lives, and the teams that they've cheered for 
and they've believed in and they've hoped for. Gamecocks fans, it's going to happen one day. We're going to get that championship. We're cheering for y'all. We're hoping for y'all. So today I want to speak on the topic called Remember Your Champion. Remember your champion. I can remember those championships. Although you might not be winning in your life right now, your champion Jesus has already won, and you can remember and rely on him to help. So the scripture that we're going to to speak on today is one little short scripture in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to break that down and talk about three different sections of this scripture. We're going to start with that first part. But thanks be to God. But thanks be to God. In the world, that first word usually isn't a good thing. When someone gives you a litany of compliments, and then they end it with a tag of but, it doesn't matter what you said before the but, I just heard what you said after. Come over to my house and we cook a big meal for you, my wife cooks, I cook a dessert, we have coffee ready, you say, wow, that meal, those appetizers were great, that meal was delicious, the dessert was to die for, the coffee was overwhelming, but... It's a little too spicy for me. Well, that just cancels everything that you just said. It doesn't doesn't even matter. I love your hair. I love what you're wearing today. I love your shoes, your belt. The wallet that you have, that's pretty cool. But your face is pretty hideous. Okay, well, come on. It's Father's Day. Let's be nice, okay? Calm down. That butt is just something... In the outside world, so degrading. Doesn't matter how good of a compliment. Great sermon today. It was awesome. I loved it so much. But I don't believe a word you said. Okay, good. Amen. Can't wait to come back tomorrow. Can't wait to preach again. But in Christianity, we've talked about it before, how the things of this world are turned upside down in Christianity. If you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, you've got to be the least. If you want to receive, what do you have to do? You have to sow. These things that are in Christianity are upside down. And the thing that I love the most is when I see scriptures that say, but God. Because the reverse is true. It doesn't matter how much negativity can come into your life. But when you end the sentence with, but God, it changes everything. I once was lost, I once was an addict, I once was a sinner, I once was a loser, I once was a liar, I once was a thief, I once was a murderer, I once was this, I once was that, but God can change your life forever. So we see this scripture that says, but thanks be to God, in Ephesians 2, we've heard this scripture before, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Even in your trespasses, but God showed up. 
even in your failures, even in your decision, but God showed up to be thankful for those but God moments. I go back and look at my life and think about the but God moments. I got hired by the Border Patrol and was about to go to boot camp, I guess is what they would call it, in Arizona. But God showed up. He called me. He pulled me out of that. It's not that it's a bad profession. It just wasn't the profession that I was supposed to go in. And I listened to him. Ended up at Bible school. Didn't know how to pay for Bible school. Was trying to figure that out. But God showed up and provided a job. Started looking for a wife there because there was a lot of hot Christian girls there. That's what you do, I guess. But God showed up and I found my wife. I found my helpmate. Felt someone who takes care of me and loves me for who I am from the pulpit to behind the scenes in the bedroom. But God. I look at when I was unemployed and trying to find a job and we didn't have any money coming in for 10 months. But God. And my bills were paid somehow, some way. I look at these situations in my life and I say, but thanks be to God. Because without Him, I don't know where I would be. But with Him, I see the flourishing life that I have. But thanks be to God. Look for those but God moments in your life. Quit looking for those moments where you're expecting God to show up. But start looking and being thankful for the times that God already showed up. Because if he showed up and he was faithful once in your entire life, then he has to be faithful and show up again. The next part of this, but thanks be to God, is being thankful to God. That we're looking for those but God moments, and we're also being thankful for those God moments. That we take time in our lives to be thankful for what God has done for us, through us, with us. In Psalms 107, verses 1 through 2, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His mercy endures forever. Verse 2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Is anybody redeemed today? Amen. Whom He has redeemed from the hand of of the enemy. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Another scripture says that his mercies are new every morning. And those mercies that are new every morning endure forever. So every day that you're alive, there's a new batch of mercy that he's created for you to help you through that day. And you're never going to run out because it endures forever and ever and ever. Something I can get behind. Brand new mercies every morning, knowing that they'll never run out. No matter what I go through, no matter what I know is on the horizon of my life, I also know that right next to me is a new batch of mercies from the throne room of God that I can tap into in my life. That we take time in our lives to be thankful for what he's done for us. Because when we remember those but God moments, when we remember what he's done and we thank him for it, it puts a new attitude, it puts a new spin 
on what he's done for us. It changes the direction of where you're going. It changes your perception of who he is and the situation that you're in. You say, thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for being there when I didn't deserve it. Thank you, God, for pulling me out of the miry clay. Thank you for being my alpha and my omega. Thank you for allowing me to be a pastor. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this congregation. Thank you for my family. Thank you for providing financially for us. Thank you for cars that work. Thank you for a house. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. And it puts things in perspective. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory to triumph through our Lord Jesus Christ. The next part of that verse, but thanks be to God who gives us James 1, 16 through 17, verse 16 says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. Who gives us. That right there is a thankful moment that God made the decision to give us anything. He didn't... He didn't have to give us anything. But what he does give us is the best. What he does give us is more than enough. What he does give us is who he is, the God of abundance, and blesses us more and more than we quite frankly deserve. That in this scripture, he doesn't put a caveat on what he gives who gives to this certain race. But thanks be to God who gives to this certain gender. But thanks be to God who gives to this certain upper class or lower class group of people. He puts no distinction on that. He just makes it available to all who believe. But thanks be to God who gives. And in James we see Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Everything that's in the scriptures are for you and is a gift that you can receive. Doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what you're doing, he's already given it. The gift is already out there. And he puts no hindrances on letting you receive it except that you believe. You see, we're in the age right now where it seems like we're coming against participation trophies. Seems like a couple years back we had this mindset, we've got to give everybody everything. When they're kids, we can't tell them that they're not good. Oh no, you can sing, buddy. Get on up there. Oh no, you can play sports. Go ahead and swing that bat. We have all these kids a couple of years back who are receiving these participation trophies that now everybody's just going hardcore against. Don't give up. We're running the kids. Well, train up a kid in the way that he should go and he won't depart from it. It's a little extra. Just train your kid upright. Participation trophies were given out to what we believe someone or some child or someone who didn't deserve it at all. 
They didn't play the game. They were picking their nose out in right field. They were sleeping. They didn't hit a home run. They didn't win anything. Well, let's give them a participation trophy. We've come against those. But do you understand that as Gentiles, God has freely given us our participation trophy to receive every blessing and benefit that he's allowed. It says in the scriptures that we were foreigners. It says in the scriptures that we were enemies. It says that we were strangers from God. I was the one in the world baseball game out in left field, digging in my nose, looking off to the corner as everybody else was playing the game. I didn't deserve one thing from God. And God gave out a very beautiful participation trophy to all of us Gentiles. He says, all you have to do is believe and you can walk boldly into my throne room. All you have to do is put your faith and trust in what my son Jesus did on the cross. That he was beaten, placed on a cross put in a tomb, and rose again the third day. And if you believe that and you trust that, you have access and can participate in anything in my kingdom. But thanks be to God who gives us, that last part says, the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He could have given us anything. He could have given us a slap on the wrist. He could have given us a thumbs up. He could have said, well, you know what? You're Gentiles. You can believe in Jesus, but you're going to go to hell for like five years, and then I'll bring you to heaven for the rest of it. You know what? You're going to suffer just a little bit because you're not part of the the old covenant, so we're going to do that. You know what? We're going to let you lose a little bit because you're you're a Gentile. Because you're in America, we're going to do this. We're not going to let you win all the time. It's not God. It's not the scriptures that I read, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory. He doesn't ask, well, what's the battle? Hold on, let me think. That's a pretty tough one. Well, you put yourself in that battle, so good luck getting out of it. Before you even enter into the battle, God's already given you the victory. So if you know that before you step into the battle, that you already have the victory, it makes the battle so much easier. And if you're going through a battle right now, you should not be complaining about the battle. You should be thanking him for the victory. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Because it's time that we remember who our champion is. The last part, the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 2, 13 through 15. And you, being dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, you were a sinner and also a Gentile, not a Jew, weren't circumcised. You had no right, no reason to get in on this. He has made alive together with him having forgiven you all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwritten requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them. Public spectacle back then when they 
defeated a king, when a king defeated another king, would take that king, disarm him, disrobe him, and walk him with a chain or a rope through the city. So everyone could see that supposed king completely naked, completely vulnerable, in a joke. It says at the end of time, we're all going to be standing there in heaven. And they're going to bring that piece of trash devil. And it says, the nations are going to ask, is this the guy? Is this the one who caused so much trouble? With a flick of his wrist, and Michael the archangel with a kick of his boot, send him into hell and eternity. He made a public spectacle. The handwritten requirements, which is the law, but it could also be that handwritten thing of list of sins that we have. Each and every one of us knows what we've done. You tell me right now, hey, when's the last time you sinned? Well, like 12 seconds ago, probably. I don't even know. And we have this list that we have as we try and balance Well, if I have a good list, I can check off the bad list. Even as Christians, we do that now. We watch out for the karma bug. Oh no, I should have done this, I should have given, I should have have said this, I should have done that. I'll try and stand in the way. Sorry about that. There we go. (laughs) Oh no, what what do I do? How How can I do this? How can I do that? We have this, this written list that Jesus himself said, let me give that. Just give me that list of all your sins, of all your failures, of all your insecurities, of all your shortcomings. Let me go ahead and take that. I'll go ahead and nail them to my cross. I'll go ahead and take care of them. He knocks out the law. He knocks out your list of trespasses all in one swoop for everybody through all of humanity. Because he's given us the victory through what our Lord Jesus Christ did. 1 John 5, 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. How did he give us the victory? He sent his son to die for us. But he also gave us something called faith. Something that we've talked about before here. All of these promises in Him are yes and amen. But until you grasp a hold of them and you say yes and amen in my life, no longer am I going to walk in this. No longer am I going to deal with that. No longer am I going to struggle with this. His promises are yes and amen. They're in heaven, yes and amen, but it's time for yes and amen to happen in my life because He's already given you the victory to overcome those things. You see, we have this misconception with how powerful Satan is. We have this misconception that we think that God and Satan are seated in this game room with a chess table right in front of them called the world. And every time Satan makes a move, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit get together and they huddle up. I didn't see that happening. That's that's a new move. He hasn't tried that before. 
Satan says, I got him. Check. Rook to knight. Clicks the clock. And then we think that they're all huddled together. Bring Michael the archangel in here. We got to bring four people. This is a tough move. Okay, okay, that's a good move. <clears throat> all right, all right, we got him, we got him. And we think that Satan and God are just going back and forth. Move here, move there, move here, move there. It's a misconception because we're giving the same power to this dirty dragon that deserves none of our voice. Doesn't deserve an ounce of any type of glorification that we can give to him. Well, Satan's just attacking me today. No, he's not. It says here you're a victor. I can honestly say at least once in our marriage, I'll be honest here, I have probably flipped a game, board game, at least once in our marriage. I don't think it's been any time recent. The last one I can remember was in Louisiana playing Monopoly. I think that might have been the last one. She agrees. <laughs> Could have been yesterday. But we've probably all done that a time or two. Playing the game. I'm done. You see, Satan thought that him and God were playing a chess game. It says in the scriptures that if the rulers of this world knew what was happening and what Jesus was doing, they never would have crucified him. Because when Jesus came roaring out of that grave, he just walked over to that chessboard and said, never again. Never again. It says Jesus has been given this world his foothold. Everything at his name must bow. It doesn't matter what's in heaven, what's below earth, what's on earth. The victory is his, and he's given that victory to you. It is time for you to respect who your champion is and understand that you are no longer a victim. You are a victor in the name of Jesus. It's time for us to remember our champion. Quit giving homage to Satan. He's just attacking me again. Here he is. He's at my house. You let him in the house. Kick him out. Well, he's in my job. He's in my marriage. It's on you. Quit playing the victim mentality. You're a victor. Because of who you are, but because of who your champion is. I have a champion. And he's freely given me the victory. I don't have to work for it. I don't have to strive for it. It's already been given to me. Every battle that I'm in and that I'm going forward, I don't care. I'm not even calling it a battle because I've already had victory over that battle. It's time for us as the church to get out of this victim mentality and start being victors. Because nobody in that community wants to come into a church and deal with the same people who are having the same issues that they're dealing with out there. Why would I come to a church full of victims when I'm already a victim out there? No, I want to come to a church that's full of victors. So when I walk in there, I can say there's something different about you. There's something different about your life. There's something different about your house, about your marriage, about your kids. I have to know what that is. And you can say... But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. The last scripture I have, 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14. The Apostle Paul wrote this scripture in the second book that he wrote to the church of Corinth. Just to reaffirm in case you didn't know. 
Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. I ask you today, everywhere that you go, are you diffusing the fragrance of his knowledge? Something that struck me in my marriage, am I diffusing the fragrance of God's knowledge in my job and how I pastor, and how I father my son. Everywhere I go, when I'm having a good day, when I'm having a bad day, the fragrance of his knowledge should be diffused in every situation that I go in. Thanks be to God who causes us to triumph in everything that we do. As we finish, number one, be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful for your previous but God moments and be thankful for your but God moments that you're about to step into. Number two, receive whatever, whatever God is giving to you. Ask and ye shall receive. Just ask him. Whatever you need today, ask him and look for that answer and be thankful for the answer that's coming. And third, remember your champion. Remember your champion for what he did for you. You are no longer a victim. You are a victor. Amen? Let's stand up today as we get ready to go. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the revelation that we can walk in right now, that we are no longer victims. We are victors. Not because of who we are or what we're doing, but because we believe in what Jesus Christ did for us. Father, we thank you that you've already given us the victory. That you freely gave us the ability to overcome anything that happens in this world. Greater are you that's in us than anything that can come against us in this world. It says in the scriptures that every tongue that rises against us in the name of Jesus I condemn right now. Father, I thank you for this room full of victors. That as they go out this week, they will diffuse the fragrance of your knowledge They will tell people their testimony. They will tell people about Jesus. They will just let their light shine in every capacity that they have so that people will recognize there's something different about you. There's something that you have that I need that can help me. How you're handling that situation is different than how I've seen anybody else handle that situation. And we can all just raise our hands and say, but thanks be to God. He's the one who gave me the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for the fathers today, all the men who are fathers in some capacity. I ask you to bless them today. I ask you to give them wisdom and revelation on how to continue being a good father. As they see you, God, as their Abba Father, as the best representation of a father, let us take that knowledge and apply it to our fatherly lives whether it's biological children, whether it's spiritual children, whether it's just people in the neighborhood, whoever we are fathering, let us be better fathers. Let us love more. Let us be a shining light to those around us, Father. Father, I thank you for these people. I call them blessed. I call them prosperous. I call them victors. I thank you that you'll protect them and keep them safe and bring them back safely next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. Happy Father's Day. 
Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.